You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I got to be honest, man, I am pretty excited. I hope you guys are enjoying this as well, uh, because I certainly am. 95% of the time when I go through a thing that I want to do for a long time, I get tired of it after about the third or fourth time. I'm actually excited to go through the next 10 prospects. Um, I especially thought since, you know, after like the first round, you kind of start not knowing. I'm, I'm surprised how many of these guys, oh, I said Luke Whipler would probably be a big prospect next year. It looks like he's, he's on here for this year. I'm surprised he's as low as he is. He only played two years. I thought maybe he had one more year. Anyways, that's a tomorrow problem. I just noticed his name sitting there. Um, this year, this year, good Lord, we're off to a rough start here. Tyreek Stevenson, Joe Tipman, Derek Hall, Tuli Tui Pelotu, Devin A-Chain, Siaki Ika, uh, Dion Henley, Matthew Bergeron, Cedric Tillman, and Tucker Kraft. Um, again, I'm just, I'm kind of surprised. I, I thought I was so far behind. It's like, oh, I know a bunch of these guys still. Uh, and I've looked at several, not in a long time, but um, anyways, those are the guys we're going through to D. And again, um, I, hopefully today we'll get much more caught up on... Um, all the news and notes for these guys. I've only got two up right now, but I'm hoping today I've got a little bit of time. I've been kind of crushing it today. If I can kind of keep this pace, I should be able to get that stuff done. I'm getting a little sidetracked. <laughs> I saw a bunch of people that apparently there's like this Metallica generator. It looks really stupid. It's like the same image, but it's just words in Metallica font on, on the top. And I'm like, dude, I could do that with uh, the robot. And then I started thinking it'd be cool to do like a, a whole series of Packers themed albums, but like in different genres, like, you know, heavy metal, 80s hairband, blues, R&B, you know, just, I don't know, just see what happens. It'd be kind of funny. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to be uh, doing productive things like the podcast. So here we are. But I do like the heavy metal. <laughs> Obviously, it's just a skull and a Packers helmet, but it's pretty dope. I like it. But without further ado, let's get started with Tyreek Stevenson. I'm not sure how many corners we've covered, but um, this is his cornerback when I say his. We, we, so he, real quick. The way that I do this, we're going to go through the Dane Brugler Draft Guide, which is a massive guide over at The Athletic. Um, 
It's called The Beast, and for good reason. Tons of great information. I'm not going through a lot of the information like I have in the past, so we're missing some of the cool little notes and tidbits. If I happen to notice it, I'll mention it. But going through that, then a quick look at PFF, and then I'm going to go watch tape. So this is all kind of live. I won't like sit here and narrate it for you. I'll go watch it and then come back. But And then I'll give my honest opinion. I will maybe watch... I think the most I've watched is like three games, but that's excessive. Usually it's one unless I feel like, you know, it's, you know, like if they have one really good game, but it's not really representative of who they are, I'd kind of want to go back and check or whatever. So one to two games, and then I'll give you my opinion, and then we move on to the next prospect. Tyreek Stevenson is listed as cornerback 11 on the Beast Guide. Um, he is six foot, 198 pounds. Uh, plays for Miami. He's out of Miami, Florida. 22.9 years old. Oldest of five kids. Grew up in the Miami area with his mom. He was a four-star recruit. Number three cornerback in the 2019 recruiting class behind Derek Stingley and Andrew Booth, interestingly enough. It's a heck of a... That's that's a pretty good company there. And the number four recruit out of Florida behind Nolan Smith, Trey Sanders, and Evan Neal. Uh, at least two of those guys are very prominent, so... High expectations for him, that's for sure. Interestingly enough, he actually has a twin sister, and then he has two more sisters that are twins. And I think there's like another kid in there somewhere. But uh, of the five kids, two of them are twins. Um, overall, Stevenson needs to become more disciplined in coverage and versus the run, but he is a long, rangy corner with the speed and short area athleticism to stay in phase. He's a pressed man corner on the perimeter with NFL starting ability. He, by the way, ran 4.45, which is totally fine. Um, 38.5 vert, 10.5 broad jump, 4.41 short shuttle, 7.09 three cone. As far as uh, PFF is concerned, I will mention he has four punt returns. I'll try to remember special teams when I can. Not a ton, but he has had a little bit of work there. But uh, he actually spent two years at Georgia where he had a 70 grade and then a 65 grade. He then transferred to Miami, going back to his hometown. He had a 72 and a 76 grade. Run defense and tackling is not great, but the most important thing, coverage, he graded out actually very well. 76 and an 80 PFF grade, uh, passer rating 69 and then 78 this year. Um, not terrible in terms of consistency, uh, but he does have two really bad games. So it's like 70, 70, 70, 70, 70. We'll just call it 70, 70, and then 60, 50, 40, 40. So, I mean, he's mostly just really solid. but um, And then he's got like two average games, but two just really dropped the ball against Middle Tennessee and North Carolina. So I don't exactly know what the issue is there, but overall, largely consistent in a very positive way. For whatever reason, he doesn't have any. There's, It's all 2020 and then one 2021 game against North Carolina, but he played pretty well in that, so that's what I will check out. Yeah, so, I mean, based on the North Carolina game, I, I have no issues with him whatsoever. I think it's it's a tough evaluation because North Carolina, aside from Josh Downs, who's a slot guy that he never went up against, they don't really have any good wide receivers. But, um, I mean, he, sh he shut it down. I mean, there was one, recept one target, one reception, one yard in that game. So I, I, I wish I had been thinking to do this earlier. I always think of things I wish I had done now that we're here. But just to put next to these guys like like, love, you know, whatever, he would be in the, firmly in the like category. Not massively obsessed. I think he's fine. I didn't really get a chance to see a ton. North Carolina gets the ball out pretty quick, so he, there's a guy running down the field. He runs with him, and then they throw the ball to a check down over here, and it's like, okay, well, that's useless. But there were tiny little things where, you know, it, the... 
goal line play, guys screaming down the field, can he run with them? Yeah, he 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 got out in front of them. I mean, he's he's much faster than whoever North Carolina had throwing at him. So I'd, I'd put him in the like category. Certainly physical enough, not afraid of contact, big dude. I did con- was concerned a little bit about the tackling. Um, he, his overall grade is a 58, and it's mix of, of about half his games are good, but then there's some really bad, just some really weird kind of angles. Like he had a free shot at the quarterback, basically, and he ran. And I mean, the quarterback slid, but he would have missed anyways. So that was a little bit ugly, but no, I, I, again, he's firmly in the like category. Next up, we have Joe Tipman, who actually is um, Dane Brugler's number one center ahead of John Michael Schmitz. So Joe Tipman is a center out of Wisconsin, six foot six, three hundred and thirteen pounds, out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. He is twenty-two years old. He is one of eight children, seven boys and one girl, born in Fort Wayne. Number twenty-six offensive tackle in the twenty nineteen recruiting class. Number six recruit out of Indiana. Did I say four-star recruit? Because that's what he was. Um, part of the Badgers' recruiting pitch was actually that they would train him at tackle, guard, and center, and Tipman was open to playing any position. So uh, obviously the Badgers a very good program as far as offensive line, although I don't know necessarily in terms of translating to the NFL. But still, you got a program like the Badgers saying, we will cross-train you on all three positions. That's pretty cool. Born into an athletic family, multiple siblings and cousins who starred athletically at Bishop Dwenger High School. NFL scouts said there were like 18 players on the 2018 Bishop Dwinger varsity squad from the Tipman family tree. That's funny. Several of his relatives went on to play college athletics, mostly, most recently Jack Tipman, freshman tight end at Illinois State in 2022. K.J. Tipman, freshman running back at St. Francis in 2022. Uh, hasn't really done anything as far as workouts, pro day or otherwise. He did do the bench at his pro day and that was it. And he did 30, which is obviously pretty... That's uh, a lot of lot of things. Overall, Tipman must be mindful of his body leverage balance to match up versus NFL defenders, but his quickness, strength, and vision are all plus traits for a starting interior lineman. He projects as an NFL starter, either center or guard, ideally suited for a wide zone scheme. There you go. Second round, number 43 overall. By the way, Joe Tipman, he's got the mullet. I'm ready to get him signed up. Three years at Wisconsin, strangely enough, he got worse every year, but he only played 11 snaps in year one, but 88, 85, 78, the only two years that matter were the 85 and then the 78, so strangely, again, kind of took a step back. He didn't change position, although he did play right guard uh, in 2020, which was his highest grade, even though it was only 11 snaps, but then uh, 1,445 of his next two years of of snaps all came at center. but very consistent, I mean, 78.3 run blocking grade, 79.2 pass blocking grade, give up a sack, two hits, and two hurries, five total pressures only. He did have six penalties, which seems excessively high. As far as consistency, um, I don't really see any issues there. His lowest was a 57. His highest was a 78. Uh, he did have some uh, a little bit less consistency last year. I said he had an 85, and then it kind of went down. That was mostly um highlighted by like a 91 grade against eastern michigan or something so he doesn't have necessarily the high end but the the low end is certainly better as far as the run blocking and pass blocking though certainly a better pass blocker he just has some more i guess less consistent so run blocking is all 60s and 70s pass blocking is is high 70s and 80s but there's a 50 and a 40 mixed in so it kind of just balances out but different anyways only two games i can find here are illinois which is his one 
bad pass blocking game and then Ohio State, which is his fifth worst game. So none of his good games, but whatever. We'll do what we can. That was his second worst pass. So his two worst pass blocking games are what we have to work with. Anyways, yeah, no, I'm 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 a really big fan. Um trying to remember what I said about Tipman, but I, I would be surprised if this would not be so far my offensive center number one. Um the the violence and physicality is absolutely there, which I think is awesome for you know, offensive and when you're talking trench players, man, there there needs to be some nasty and just an element of violence, especially like on the inside. And he's a violent guy. I remember it was kind of a joke, but I really wanted Corey Lindsley to start because he was just he was you know he I don't remember what his number was, but he did a ridiculous amount of bench press reps, and it's like this guy's a beast. It was probably like thirty something, like this guy. And it was just kind of cool to think about this guy that's just a freaking massive monster that's just going to kill people. It was again. It was kind of a joke, but whatever. And it, that's kind of him. Oh, did I say Tipman? I meant the other, the the other center. I messed up. This is Joe Tipman. <laughs> but no, I, I I really like him, man. He's 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 a very violent. Like he he wants to hit people and, and and hurt people when he does it. You can just tell by it's not just I'm gonna kind of hit you from the side to help this guy and then get back to where I'm going. No, I'm gonna throw you to the freaking ground and then I'm gonna go find somebody else. Uh, I think he moves really well. He looks pretty fast when he's flying around. Again, he didn't test, so we don't have any official numbers, but just by the looks of things, it's always kind of iffy, you know, if you're talking about what about taking this guy in the second round, just because we have Josh Myers. Now, I'm not a huge Josh Myers fan. He may improve. He may not. I don't really know. And we could also have um, Tipman as a guard if it, if it came to that. But it's also just, you know, how much of an actual upgrade is it compared to what an upgrade could be somewhere else, just in terms of my personal love of a pick. But... Do I like Joe Tipman? Yeah, I do. I, I think he's a really solid football player. John Michael Schmitz is what I meant as far as the other center. Anyways, next up, Derek Hall, number 10 edge rusher on the Beast big board. Uh, pass rusher out of Auburn, six foot two and a half. call it six foot three, 254 out of Gulfport, Mississippi. He is 22.1 years old. One older sister was born extremely prematurely at 23 weeks uh, four months before his due, weight, due date, he was two pounds, nine ounces. He was technically born dead with no quality of life expected, and the doctors gave his mother, Stacy Gooden-Crandall, the choice of fighting or termination. My goodness. Although Hall was never expected to walk or talk, Gooden-Crandall chose to fight, and Hall was put on life support for a week, followed by a five-month stay in the hospital. Despite the grim prognosis, Hall overcame the odds and several other obstacles, including asthma, to have a relatively normal childhood. Started playing flag football at age four, later fell in love with basketball, starring in the AAU circuit. And uh, yeah, goes to high school and 3.76 GPA, football, uh, Under Armour All-American in 2018. That's wild, man. Ended up being a four-star recruit, number eight weak side defensive end in the 2019 recruiting class, number nine recruit out of Mississippi. It's going to be hard not to root for the guy, you know what I mean? I hope I like him, because if I don't, I'm going to feel bad being like, nah, he's he's trash, bro. <laughs> good job trying and all, but isn't that good? It's all right. My opinion doesn't matter. Four five five speed, uh, 33 and a half vert, 10-7 broad. Then at his pro day, he did the short shuttle at 4.23 cone, 7-2-3. Uh, overall, Hall doesn't have fully fleshed out counter maneuvers, but he is an urgent, hard, cha- hard charging pass rusher with linear athleticism and power in his hands. 
He will be attractive to multiple schemes and projects as a potential NFL starter, similar to Denver Broncos' Jonathan Cooper, second, third round, grade number 58 overall. Worth noting, he is one spot ahead of Isaiah Foskey, who we looked at yesterday. Anybody else here that we looked at? No, Yaya Diaby is next. Anyways, uh, Derek Hall, first of all, terrible on special teams, so we'll note that. PFF, uh, four years at Auburn, his grades 64, 64, 76, and then 71. So the last two years, he kind of stepped up. Those were his first two years as a starter, by the way. But, you know, again, pretty standard, mediocre-ish grades. Run defense, 61. Tackling, 65. Pass rush, 82.6. Let's be honest, that's the most important. And he dominates with that the last three years, 81.9, 81.2, 82.6. And then his coverage grade, which nobody really cares, was a 67.8. Um in his four years, he had 12 pressures on 94 attempts, which is great. 31 pressures on 174 attempts, which is fantastic. 43 on 310, 47 on 349 attempts, uh, 4, 10, and 8 sacks. So the pressures are fantastic. The consistency, though, is kind of awful. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't say it's really awful, but if we just look at the weeks, 70, 80, 60, 60, 50, 40, 50, 50, 80-60-70-60. So, I mean, he, aside from the first two weeks, he never put two good games in a row. There was a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven week stretch of just not very much production. And then it was 80-60-70-60. So, would like to see slightly better than that, I guess. But really, I mean, now well, there are four games below 60, which isn't great. But I'll tell you what, man, Derek Hall, and, and it, again, it, it might just come down to the game that I picked, but he was terrorizing this offensive line. He did have five pressures in this game, um, which was, that's not even that unusual. He had five against Alabama. He also had five against Texas A&M. He had six against Mercer, seven against LSU, eight against San Jose State. Um, look, the, the guy's certainly not perfect, but I, I and I really think he'd be a good fit for what we do as far as compress the pocket. That's his thing. He might not have a ton of bend, although he did get around the corner to uh, to get after the quarterback on one particular one of the five pressures I saw. But if you go on Twitter, I posted two of his big pressures early in the game where he got his hand in the middle of the guy's chest and just embarrassed him. I mean, these are big Alabama offensive line, and one was on the right side, one was on the left side. Um, yeah, I'm I am a fan. I mean, you you're trying to tell me this is what was it the number. 10 pass rusher and maybe because there's a lot of pass rushers and again i do like this the depth of the pass rush class right the the top end is kind of eh, whatever as far as like elite should we take them at 15 you know I'm, but i mean honestly i'm looking at this guy saying would you take Derek hall or nolan smith i don't know that i wouldn't take Derek hall um and i, I know that sounds dumb but you know even like against lucas van ness i mean it's kind of close I, I i don't know i don't know um, you know, it, it's, I mean, I, I, I absolutely love Will McDonald, but again, kind of a smaller prospect is sort of a red flag. He doesn't really have, I, l l let me give you something else. He chased down Bryce Young. I'm not saying he's as fast as Bryce Young, but I saw this man meet him at the sideline and hit him out of bounds. They lined him up, first of all, at inside linebacker. He blew up the offensive line. He did kind of get stuck, but it was still just a violent hit. He realized he wasn't getting through. He backed off and then chased down Bryce Young down the sideline and, and caught him and got him out of bounds. So, um, yeah, I like Derek Hall, man. I think there's going to be some hit or miss. I mean, consistency might be the problem, but you're talking about a number three pass rusher for this team. I think he can come in and just wreak some freaking havoc, man. I like him. I really do. 
again, I, 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 I'm trying to think back on all the guys that I really like. Will McDonald blew me away probably more than anybody, but again, he's got the red flags as far as being 6'4", 239. There have been some other guys. I, I can't ex- exactly remember who they are, but I mean, again, the, the depth of the pass rushers. I'm, I'm, I'm loving these guys. And, and apparently, where does he say that he's going to go again? Um, he's got him as a second, third round prospect. I can't believe we're not even. I'm thinking like fourth, fifth round. No, we're not even. We're barely out of the second round. And and uh, you know, depending on who you're who you're talking to, I guess. But man, I I really really like. I like Derek Hall. I really do. All right, next up is, let's see if we can get this right, Tuli Tuipulotu, which I think is what I said. I think I got Tui, Tuli Tuipulotu. All right, Tongan Ancestry, by the way, uh, Tui Pulotu is another pass rusher. He has him as pass rusher number 14, so we are way down the line, but we are officially in the third round according to him. But anyways, USC pass rusher, six foot three, two sixty six out of Hawthorne, California. He is twenty point six years old, very young, three star recruit, uh, number forty defensive tackle in the twenty twenty recruiting class, number thirty three recruit in California. Didn't do any testing either at uh, the pro day or anything else because he has a right hamstring injury. Um, says overall, there are a few concerning areas about his game, but Tui Pelotu finds his way to the football because of his pass rush instincts, natural power, and relentless effort. I feel like I'm reading the same thing for all these pass rushers. There's issues, but they got a lot of effort. And that should continue in the NFL. He projects as a solid starter on the edge. This is edge number 14. And we got this guy saying, no, he's going to be a solid starter. Probably third round, but yeah, for sure. That's crazy. We've talked about two centers, like what, a guard or two? handful of tackles we haven't talked about wide receiver we're just flying through like corners and edge rushers that's it i love it though man we need them this might be a draft where we get two or three as much as that might not be seen as a major issue i mean it's an issue but not like the biggest i i think we might come away with a handful granted you know if we get one pick in the second we're you know all these guys are going to go i'm just saying i'm just saying i'm i'm digging it uh pff definitely a big fan he's been three years at usc first year he only played about a third of a year but 70 grade and then it jumped up to 82.6, 82.1. Um, run defense grade 76. Tackling was a 36, which is a big drop off. He's never had issues before, but this is a really bad year. Pass rush 81, coverage 67. He had 56 pressures and 13 sacks on 404 attempts, which is phenomenal. Consistency, uh, not too terrible. His lowest was a 59.2, so he doesn't really have any bad games. A little less than half of his games are in the 60s. About half are in the 70s, and then he has an 88 against Cal and a 90.2 against Colorado. That game against Cal, he has nine pressures in two sacks. He also has eight pressures against Arizona. So he's another guy that's just got these games that are ridiculous. Even his second worst game against Washington State, he had a 63 run defense and a 28 tackling grade, but he had six pressures and three sacks in that game. Uh, I've only got one game of his. That's against UCLA. Solid game. It's actually his only dominant run defense game. Uh, pass rush not quite as one of his lower pass rush grades but he'd still had three pressures so it's going to be kind of a weird game because it's probably the least representative of what he is but whatever we'll get a little bit of a feel for him all right so i i really want to keep the hype train going and i can see the appeal of Thule a little bit the the one thing that i noticed with him that kind of stands out is he seems a half a step slow um a lot of times he'll make up for that with just this wicked dip move to the inside and he's to the quarterback instantly, so his speed doesn't really matter. But anytime you notice, for example, he'll try to get around the edge 
he doesn't have that, like, even if he can get the edge, usually there's that second gear and just that closing speed. He, it's just like, come on, go, go, go. There's always just this little bit of, like, he's just a half a step slow. So, I don't know. I, I just And he doesn't have, like, the power of some of these other guys. I don't see the speed. I don't see the bend. I think maybe he's got some pretty decent technique or whatever that's able to... I, I just, I don't know. So, if we had sort of that scale... Let's just call it a five-point scale. Five is like, dude, I'm obsessed. Four is I like this guy. Three is I'm indifferent. This would probably be in the two range, or, or the three, uh, yeah, two and a half-ish range. He's fine, but I'm, I'm less than, like, indifferent. Then we get to Devin A-Chain, which um, is only the fourth running back that we've gotten to. Or Devon, I guess, I think is how you'd say it. Devon A-Chain. But running back out of Texas A&M, 5'8", 188, out of Missouri City, Texas. He is 21.5 years old, been playing football since age four. Four-star recruit, A-Chain was the number four all-purpose back in the 2020 recruiting class, number 21 recruit in Texas, obviously, because that is a football player factory, much like Florida. Um, he has 4.32 speed, so this dude is a freak show in terms of his speed. Uh, 33 inch vert, and then at his pro day, he had a nine foot three inch broad, four three six short shuttle, seven oh five three cone. Overall, A Chain's undersized build understandably creates doubt about him as an every down NFL back, but his vision and rare acceleration allow him to access run paths most backs can't. With his added value as a receiver, a few NFL scouts project him best at receiver, which is crazy, and returner. Oh my goodness! I, please, please, I know I watched him, but I don't remember. I want to like this guy so bad. <laughs> I don't care that he's undersized because we we use pretty heavy like rotations. Nobody really has 20 carries. Very rarely does Aaron Jones do that. Um, then you add in receiving and returning. Oh, my goodness. He has high upside potential, similar in ways to Javid Best as a prospect. That's interesting. Haven't heard that name in a while. Second, third round prospect, number 67 overall. Uh, PFF? Why don't we start with special teams? Um, he, in his career, three years at Texas A&M, the last two years he's been doing kickoff returns, not punt returns, probably due to that speed, but 31.1 yards per attempt. Uh, this past year he has a 77.4 kick return grade, 11 returns, 314 yards, 95 yards was his longest, including a touchdown, four fair catches, zero muffs, which is fantastic. Not a very good special teamer outside of that. He's done some punt coverage stuff and whatnot. He has a 47.2 grade. Continuing to work backwards as a receiver, they actually gave him a 60.8 grade, so he isn't grayed out super well, but 196 yards and three touchdowns receiving. Finally, we get to rushing and overall. I mean, Texas a and it, it's been going backwards, but this is this guy is loved by PFF. 91 grade, then 90, then 82.5. Four. His rushing grades, 92, 91, and 90, essentially. So again, going backwards, but not really. Um, not a ton of consistency in terms of, I mean, if you're going to give him that high of a grade. He had one game at 90.4. His next highest was a 74, but not bad. It was 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 70, 70, 70, 70, 90. So no bad game. 60.4 against Alabama was his worst. Uh, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, one fumble, 5.6 yards per attempt. Please, Lord in heaven above, let me love this guy. Of course, Alabama's the only game. Good Lord. Well, here is my honest assessment of Devon A-Chain. I don't like anything about A-Chain aside from that one game-breaking thing. And that's the thing. You see that one play, and it's like, all right, maybe we should get him. 
But everything up until look, he's he is a small guy, and you see it. And the problem is four three two speed doesn't hardly ever come into play. Because how many times do you actually get to a point on the field where you can reach that level of speed? When you first touch the ball, you're not doing four three two speed. You're barely moving. You're you're jogging, trying to find a hole to go through, and then you try to get it through it. And there's guys wrapping their arms all around you, and you go down. Four three two speed is useless for ninety nine percent of of games. That's a slight exaggeration, I suppose. When you're trying to get to the outside, it has some benefit. But the the negative side of him being so small is that if anybody gets a single hand on him, he goes down. So the size speed combo works as a negative more often than a positive. Also, the receiving is horrific. I don't know what Dane Brugler is talking about or anybody that says he should be a receiver more than anything else. He does not want to be a receiver. Every time I saw this man run around, against Alabama at least, he acted like, this isn't my job. This isn't what I do. The quarterback's under pressure. He doesn't even turn his head around. The quarterback is scrambling to his right, which he's running for his life every single play. Is A-Chain running that direction, trying to get open to give his, his quarterback a place to go? No, he's standing in the middle of the field watching. He doesn't even run routes. He just runs to a part in the field and just stands there and watches the game go on. I have no idea what he thinks his job is when he's out running a route or why they even bother. You might as well keep him in as a blocker, even though he's not very good at that. either at 188 pounds. So, I mean, there are certain guys, I mean, you look at, again, the if we want to be the Miami Dolphins, go ahead and get Hyatt, go ahead and get A-Chain, and we got the fastest wide receivers and the fastest running backs, you know, maybe aside from Miami, I'm not sure, and we'll just compete in a fast off. But I just can't quite get, I was hoping he was like Aaron Jones with ridiculously blazing fast speed, but he's just not. He doesn't have the power of Aaron Jones. He doesn't have the blocking ability. He doesn't have the receiving ability. Um, and again, he goes down real easy, pretty much first contact. But yeah, that one time he hits a hole, he's gone. But Aaron Jones is pretty much gone too. I mean, the the difference is, and again, this isn't even an every game thing. This is once every other game. Maybe Aaron Jones goes down at the 10 and A-Chain gets a touchdown, which is, I mean, it's a significant difference, but how much has Aaron Jones done in the last 40 carries compared to A-Chain prior to that moment, right? So... I don't know, man. I mean, if we get him late as like a number three, but I can't imagine even taking him in the first, like in, in, in day two. I don't know. If he's there later, okay, cool, especially if we're talking special teams. And I didn't get to see him do that, but yeah. I mean, if, if you can get him later and he can be a like a rotational back, but also primarily like as a number three running back, but also primarily a return guy. Not that we necessarily need it, but maybe he could do punt returns. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm... I'm not as big of a fan as I was hoping I'd be. Anyways, kind of taking a little bit longer today. Maybe this is all we do. I'm not entirely sure. But why don't we go ahead and take a break? We got Siaki Ika, uh, Diane Henley, Matthew Bergeron, Cedric Tillman, and Tucker Kraft still coming up. Uh, please check out patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. You can do so for as little as $1 per month. Also, please try to check out some of the t-shirts. I've got another one out there for you. Again, it's not easy to find, but if you see me posting it or if you just or if you're interested, I can send you a link. Just reach out to me and I will I will put you in touch with the right people. It just means a link. Um, also, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, please uh, check them out at fertilegroundranch.org. See if what they're doing is something you'd want to support. My dad is uh, my dad and stepmom are heading out to Africa soon to uh, Go talk with the church out there as far as a partnership and whatnot. But they've got a farm now. Last time we were out there, they just bought the farm, so there was nobody out there. But now he's got uh, two different, I don't even know what you call it, clients. Uh, I guess disciples would be the would be the name. 
but people in need of help that are living there on the farm. They've got goats. That Goats just had babies, so there's baby goats there. My family wants to go down there real bad. Uh, but my dad is uh, working as a prison chaplain, and my stepmom actually has now just gotten approved. She's also going to be working in the prisons with the women, so doing a lot of good things down there in Indiana and could definitely use some support. They are very new and, uh, as of right now, do not have a lot of uh, support, so a lot of this is just stuff they're paying for. So please check it out, FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, let's talk about Mr. Siaki Ika. Uh, he is listed at number eight defensive tackle. Not my favorite class so far, but um, Siaki Apu Ika is his, I guess Apu is his nickname or something. Defensive tackle out of Baylor, six foot three, 335 pounds from Salt Lake City, Utah, 22.4 years old, youngest of five children, grew up uh, in a Polynesian family. Uh, migrated from the Tongan Islands in the South Pacific. Started off playing basketball before he got to football. Um, five, three, nine, forty times, so he's <laughs> not breaking any records there. Funny enough, his nickname Apu came from his older sister, who thought he resembled the monkey Abu from the movie Aladdin. So, not sure we're allowed to call him Apu. I feel like we're crossing some lines there, but it is funny. 
Overall, Ika is a nimble, disruptive man with stout, powerful traits, but all of his impressive parts don't consistently add up to impact plays. He is a toolsy size prospect with a high floor as an early down NFL nose, while also flashing the ability to be more. Fair enough. Uh, PFF is, uh, they like him, don't love him. Two years at LSU, he had a 68 grade and then a 73 grade, although he didn't play much in 2020, his, th- his second year. Must have been an injury there. But then he went off to Baylor, played two years there, 74 grade, 74 grade, which 2020 had a 74 grade. So very consistent. The, the interesting aspect about this at 335 pounds, he's much more consistently a pass rusher than a run defender. Um, the last two years, 66 and 69 run defense grade, just a 62 and a 26 tackling grade. Pass rush, though, 86 and 76. Um, 33 pressures on 275 attempts. 18 pressures on 215 is actually quite poor and no sacks. He had six the year prior. As far as my thoughts, um, he's another sort of two out of five as far as uh, he's below kind of indifferent. Maybe he's sort of indifferent, I guess. But, you know, at 335, I don't expect much. But the one thing I do expect is you hold your ground and you defend the run really well. And he doesn't even grade out very well. And I could see why, because although there are times when he really plants his feet and doesn't move, it's not often. And for a guy his size to get blown off his spot as often as he does, and his balance is real bad, you know, you kind of get him off balance and he starts just moving. So, and, and I, I don't buy that he's going to come in and be a good pass rusher. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. I understand there's going to be some freaks out there that can do some stuff at some, at, at some high weights, but he's 335 pounds, 539 speed. He's not going to be a pass rusher. So, you know, he's a guy that you take a little bit later with one very specific job. And I just, I don't see him really doing that job all that well. Not to say he can't. Or that he can't be, you know, taught and trained up and all that stuff. Entirely possible. If, if guys want to project that out, fine. I'm just saying I didn't I didn't necessarily see a TCU. This is the game I watched. It was his fourth best game. And it just, it was not um, massively impressive, I guess. All right, moving right along. We got another linebacker, this time Dayon Henley out of Washington State. He is listed as the fourth best linebacker on this here um, draft guide. Six foot two twenty-five out of Los Angeles, California. Twenty-three point four years old. One of four kids. Grew up in South Central LA. Started playing football at age five. Uh, did a lot of other stuff, including martial arts. He was a two-star recruit, number one fifty pro-style quarterback in the twenty eighteen recruiting class. Number three hundred and eighty recruit uh, coming out of California. At only one hundred and eighty pounds, he wasn't highly recruited and received walk-on opportunities from nearby UCLA and USC. Ended up going to Nevada and then eventually Washington State. Um, he does have 4.54 speed, which isn't terrible. Uh, 35 vert, and then that became a 37.5 vert at his pro day. 10-foot, uh, 5-inch broad jump was his best at the combine, and then 19 reps on the bench he did at his pro day. Overall, Henley has only been playing linebacker since 2020. And that inexperience shows at times, but he is quick to key and close with sideline to sideline range and tackling skills. He is an ascending run and chase backer and core special teamer in the NFL. You're speaking just dirty, dirty talk to him now. But that is important. I mean, that, that's kind of crazy to think that we're talking about a guy that's going to the NFL to play a position he's been playing for two years. How much of a freak do you have to be? I understand you've been playing football, but you're, you're playing like quarterback. And all of a sudden, in, in two years of playing linebacker, yeah, that's 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 a little crazy. He did play multiple positions in high school, receiver, safety, nickel. 
So he's done some stuff, but still, that's pretty wild. But uh, special teams, yeah, I mean, so again, he's been playing football for a long time. He was in Nevada for five years before going to Washington State. But uh, at Washington State, he had an 87 special teams grade. So watch out for this guy. Um, On defense, though, he played some defense kind of starting in 2020, but we'll just focus on 2022 because this is a weird situation. Um, he, he did kind of start off, he, he was in the 60s in Nevada. He got up to a 73.3, 68.7 run defense grade, a 90 tackling grade. He's been a phenomenal tackler all the way back to 2019 when he first registered any tackles. Pass rush grade is a 75, coverage is a 68.6. He actually has 18 pressures on 67 attempts and five sacks. Jeez. I mean, this is one of those things that gets exciting because you look at the inconsistencies and there's a lot, right? I mean, his his grades were 90, 50, 70, 40, 60, 60, 80, 70, 70, 40, 50. So it's really all over the place. But again, he's been doing this for two years. Well, three years, I guess. 2020, 2021, and 2022. But even at that, 2020 was kind of a half a year playing linebacker. So even all the things you don't... I mean, this is a very toolsy upside type of pick. If he has attributes, you know, like 18 pressures and five sacks on 67 attempts, uh, you might take a swing at the guy, especially since he's a plug-and-play special teamer that you're going to try to build up that maybe in two, three years he becomes an actual linebacker. And I'll tell you what, having watched him, I uh, watched him against USC, not not his best game, not his worst. Um, I really do like him, but it's a weird thing because I like him, but I don't know if I would be comfortable taking him before day three. I mean, the the amount of time... I'll do the negative first, which isn't really even necessarily a negative, but he is being told what to do the entire game. The The middle linebacker will be telling him where to go, and he's, he's, you know, he's kind of checking in with him, like, oh, over here is where I go. And then he'll turn around and look at the safety and ask him questions, like, over here, like, I'm doing this. and this. He doesn't know exactly what he's doing. But he's also very willing to learn, you know? Like, he, he wants to make sure I'm in the right spot and doing stuff. That, I don't think, is terrible. Beyond that, though, this dude is a day-one special teamer. He has zero regard for his life whatsoever when that when that ball is snapped he has a mission in mind and he goes 110 miles an hour and he doesn't think twice and i absolutely freaking love that he's a great tackler he's a violent player he doesn't stop until the whistle so it's 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 kind of as i said i think he's a day one special teams player and a good one at that i think um our special teams coach is going to be in love with this guy and then I think we have, you know, obviously we have two starting linebackers, so it's not that big of a deal. He's our third linebacker or fourth or whatever he ends up being, and he's a developmental guy. But again, I, I don't think I want to take him in the first two days of the draft because he's not a guy that you're going to play. You know, if he's not playing offense or defense out of the gate or at least have that ability, I don't think it makes sense to take him. Now, granted, third round for us is basically like a seventh round pick, but let's just pretend that that's not real and third round actually has some value. And that's just kind of where I'm at with, with him. I like him, you know, four out of five kind of thing, but also raw. Anyways, next up we have Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse, six foot five, three hundred and eighteen pound tackle, I think we're calling him. Out of Victoriaville, Quebec, twenty-three point one years old, one of four kids, native of Canada, born in Montreal. His first language is actually French. He learned English over time. Grew up playing hockey, obviously. He was a three-star recruit, uh, number 80 offensive tackle in the 2019 recruiting class, number two recruit from Quebec. That's interesting. I don't know why I'm saying Quebec. 
Overall, Bergeron is very efficient in his movements and grades well as a run blocker, but his inconsistent base and hand placement are gateway issues that disrupt his rhythm and ability to finish, especially in space. He has NFL starting talent, although his skills might be maximized inside as a zone-blocking guard. Um, as far as PFF, his first two years were not the best, 63 and then 53 grade at Syracuse, but then he jumped up to a 74 and this year's 75. He has a 69 run blocking grade and an 80.8 pass blocking grade. He did give up five sacks, four hits, and three hurries, which seems high. Four of his five came in the last four games, just one each down the line. But, um, not terrible in terms of the consistency aspect, but he did have two bad games, one against Florida State, one against Clemson. Otherwise, a couple 60s, mostly 70s, and 185 against Wagner, although that was his worst pass blocking. Because, again, PFF apparently cannot care any less about pass blocking. They only care about run blocking. Never understand that. Only game I have is 2021 Syracuse, so we'll check that out. Did I say Syracuse? I meant Clemson. He's on Syracuse. 2021 Clemson. By the way, um, his first year, he mostly played right tackle. Second year was about 200 snaps right, and then pretty much everything else was left tackle all the way through. So He played a grand total of four snaps at left guard. That's all he's done on the inside. Yeah, overall, not massively impressed. I mean, he, and I don't mean this necessarily in a positive way, but he reminds me of Zach Tom. He seems to have a similar build. He seems a little bit more slight more about uh, agility and, and, and you know, quickness and pass rush, but you get against some of the bigger, better players. You know, you see him against Miles Murphy. There's a real big difference in that between him going up against, you know, for example, uh, Justin Mascal or whatever. Their seventh string edge rusher, smaller guy. You know, he locks him down, but Miles Murphy just kind of pushes him straight out of the way. So I just don't know that he has the play strength necessarily. They go up against these big guys and their bull rushes, and, and again, with the run blocking and everything, I think would be a concern. So um, I'm trying not to be too massively negative about anybody because I know we're going to be drafting these guys, and I don't want these clips to just be flying around, but um, not my favorite. Two more prospects to go. Next up is Cedric Tillman. Finally getting back to some wide receivers. It's been a long time. Cedric Tillman is um, out of Tennessee. He's listed as the number eight wide receiver on this uh, this here list. He's actually got some size, which is nice. It's been a while. Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee, six foot three, two hundred and thirteen pounds, out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Twenty three years old, middle child of three kids. Grew up in the Vegas Burbs, playing flag football at age six. Three star recruit, number two forty six wide receiver. In the 2018 recruiting class, number 11 recruit out of Nevada. Uh, despite playing at a program known for producing high-level recruits, he went overlooked by college teams. His father, Cedric, uh, caught pe- cut passes from Steve McNair at Alcorn State and was picked in the 11th round, number 305 overall, in the 1992 NFL Draft by the Denver Broncos. Went on to play four seasons in the league. His older brother, Jameer, was wide receiver at Navy from 13 to 16 and considered an NFL prospect but unable to play because of his military commitment. Uh, Cedric wears number four because it was his brother's number. Younger sister, Janai, is a rising junior volleyball player at uh, the College of Southern Nevada as a degree in communications. But uh, four, five, four speed, which is not terrible, you know, for a guy his size. Um, 37 vert, 10-8 broad, and then at his pro day, he had a 7-3-2-3 cone. Overall, Tillman might be uh, limited to a linear route tree, but he is a big target with acceleration, play strength, and ball skills to exploit perimeter matchups. 
He has NFL starting traits as an X and should develop into a solid number two, three wide receiver. Second, third round, number 57 overall. To be completely honest, depending on our perception of what we have at wide receiver, this isn't a terrible kind of option. And this would kind of fall in lines with if we believe we have kind of our top two guys in Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. You're looking for these sort of number two, number three, I mean, kind of like a Lazard type of a player. Not necessarily that build, but you're you're just trying to backfill with quality guys. Not necessarily high quality, but quality. Now, that's that's one train of thought, depending on what you think of these guys. The other would be, let's just go get, you know, in Jigba or whoever your favorite guy is, Jordan Addison or or whatever. Looking at his uh, PFF, five years at Tennessee, didn't play much his first year, but after that his grades were 68, 57, 77, and 70. So kind of uh, picked it up the last couple years. Um, hasn't played a ton of special teams recently, but he did it in 2019 a ton and actually had an 83.1 grade. Uh, he only played 18 snaps and had a 46 grade in 2020 and then two snaps and a 60 grade. But the one year he had 77 total snaps and played it a lot, he was pretty solid. So that'd be something to keep an eye on also. Uh, primarily kick return. Not kick returner, but he played on the kick return unit, you know, blocking and whatnot. Speaking of, 62.4 blocking grade, not terrible. Uh, receiving grade, just looking at the last two years when he kind of had more opportunities, 78 and then 70. Um, so again, not terrible. Managed 1,081 yards and 12 touchdowns, which is pretty solid. And actually, kind of interestingly enough, when we look at consistency, he actually started off kind of terribly. 59-54, 51-52. Then his next two games, 69-63. And then after that, 76-76, 76-79, 78-72, and 68. So he started off real slow and then got real hot as the season went on. And dang it, I was looking at 2021 again. But actually, that's not a terrible thing because 2020, he was not good at football. And then like halfway through 2021, it seems like when it really clicked on i keep doing that because i have to go backwards because none of these guys have any tape uh 2022 he was also consistent but didn't play a ton um high 50s to high 60s basically were his grades so nothing super special but nothing terrible uh did only play six games though i'll tell you what i like cedric tillman i do not love not five out of five but a solid four out of five it, it's gonna sound like a negative to a lot of people but I think he's a genuinely decent Lazard replacement. Um, and I don't mean that to say like he's worse than or whatever, but he, he is a different football player. He's not just Lazard. In other words, like he, he's not going to be as good of a blocker type of guy, but I think he could be a better receiver than Lazard was. I actually liked him as a receiver. Not elite, obviously. He doesn't have blazing f speed, but he was still getting by guys. I thought he was a smooth route runner. I mean, he uses his size. He looks like he's 6'5", more than 6'3". He just goes up and gets it. He kind of plays like a tight end. He comes back and, you know, the ball's a little bit high and he just skies up and grabs it. Big physical guy, uses his size. And, and again, I think he's a relatively smooth route runner and he's he's got a nice second gear. There are times he's running and, you know, he's kind of doing this, that, or the other. And maybe the quarterback's in trouble and he'll just hit that second gear and start going straight north. And it's, you see the corner just like dying to try to catch the guy. So, yeah, I like him. I like Cedric Tillman. Where do you, what is that, third round-ish? Oh, that would suck. But, yeah, I like him. I watched him uh, 2021 against Georgia. He had uh, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 200 yards, and a touchdown. 2022, I watched him against Pittsburgh. Um, 18 targets, 9 receptions, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Now, those seem like his best games 
statistically, and they might be, but he was only given a 68.7 grade, had a bunch of drops and whatnot, 44.7 drop grade, but I still like him. Not one of those, I would take him in the first round over the top guys type of thing, but um, as a middle round selection to kind of round out our group, in addition to other guys, either through free agency or more draft picks, I think he'd be a great addition. All right, finally, Tucker Craft, our final um, player and only our fifth Tight end so far. Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington. Actually, it, I'm sorry, it's a sixth because we did do Sam Laporta, but he has Tucker Craft even higher than Sam Laporta. And I liked Laporta a lot. It's funny remembering because I keep forgetting who I like. It's like, oh, that's right. I really like Laporta. But he likes Tucker Craft even more. Has him as a solid second round pick out of South Dakota State. Six, four and a half, 254 pounds out of Timberlake, South Dakota. It's funny how these... North Dakota, South Dakota guys are always from North Dakota and South Dakota. It's kind of like Wisconsin in that way. Um, same birthday as my daughter. 22.4 years old. Youngest of three boys, born and raised in Timberlake. Small uh, farming town with a population of just over 500 people. He was a no-star recruit. He wasn't ranked by the online recruiting service. Didn't have any scholarship offers after his junior year at Timber Creek. But he attended several camps and started to receive attention from college programs. He received offers from several Division II programs, followed by South Dakota State, his first Division I offer. Committed almost immediately and became their first commit in the Jackrabbits 2019 recruiting class. Class. And apparently, uh, once he got that attention, then other schools started to pay attention. Uh, Wyoming and some other schools, and he was about to decommit and continue to move up the ladder, but I guess the coaches convinced him to stick around, and he did. Kraft received six-figure NIL offers to enter the draft portal from several national programs, including Alabama, but he again stayed loyal to the relationship built at South Dakota State. I don't know whether to be impressed with his integrity or to just be furious with his stupidity. (laughs) You're getting offered six-figure deals to go to Alabama, and he's like, no, man, I, I love what these guys are doing for me. I mean, maybe he was getting deals at South Dakota State. I don't know, but that's crazy. His father, Doug, was a record-breaking NAIA wide receiver, three-time All-American at Huron University in a tryout with the Miami Dolphins. Oh, wow. The field at Timberlake is named after Doug, who died in June of 2013 while piloting a crop duster. That's horrible. Tucker's older brother, Cody, played tight end at Division II uh, Northern State. But um, anyways, 4.69, 40-yard dash time, 34 vert, 10-foot, 4-inch broad jump, 4.29 short shuttle, 7.083 cone, 23 reps on the bench. That was all at the Combine. Overall, Kraft needs to develop time to refine his route running and blocking techniques, but he is big, strong, and athletic with ball skills and blocking tenacity to evolve into an NFL starter. His play style and talent are reminiscent of Foster Moreau. Okay. Second round, number 51 overall. Tucker Kraft, three years South Dakota State, didn't play a ton as a rookie uh, last two years. In fact, even in uh, 2022, he missed, it looks like, a lot of time. But in 2021, he played the full season, 85 grade, 89 receiving grade. 2022, 79 grade, 76 receiving grade. Um, He played in week one, must have suffered an injury, didn't come back until week eight, and then seemed to play most way through uh, the championship game against North Dakota State. Yeah, man, I don't get this Tucker Craft thing. <laughs> I mean, what's usually tough about like NDSU or SDSU is these guys are dominant, but you don't really know how that will manifest in the NFL. He's doing a good job blocking. I'll give him that. But I'm watching this guy run on a sweep, and it's like, come on, man. I'm going to need a sundial here. I mean, look, he's 6'5", 254. He runs a 4'7". 
I know 40 time isn't everything, but it's just kind of, it just looks clumsy. So, I mean, if you don't look dominant playing at this level against, you know, Illinois State, could be wrong, but he's not going to be one of my guys. No chance. So we will end on that note. We have officially gone through now, I believe, 70 prospects. Feeling good about that. Three more days, man. We got 100 prospects down. So we should be able to cover. How many, if I do, if we do this every day before the draft, how many would that be? What, 10 more we can do? So we'll get 150-ish down. Still not enough, but, you know. So what we're going to do, folks. Anyways, I generally try to keep this only half so we can do half something else, but we're already at an hour, so there you go. Tomorrow. Javon Dexter, Mr. Luke Whipler, Sidney Brown, Jordan Battle, who <laughs> I thought was going to be a top five pick this year. He has fallen unbelievably. Andre Carter, Tajay Spears, Marvin Mims, Nathaniel Dell, and Zach, oh, Zach Harrison and Jamie Robinson. Still some really, really uh, good prospects I'm excited to look at. Again, Luke Whipler, who I had mentioned I'd be interested in. Jordan Battle, I can't wait to see what he's doing. Andre Carter, I was a huge fan of. And even though his uh, RAS was garbage, I still, uh, I'm going to end up liking the guy. I just know I am. Tajay Spears, I'm excited about. Marvin Mims and Tank Dell. Zach Harrison. I'm, I'm kind of excited about all of them. So anyways, oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't uh, Andre Carter. It was Chris Smith. That'll be in two days. But you guys have a good rest of your day. Make sure you check out Packernet After Dark tonight. I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.